Hey, folks, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's right. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and now the world's greatest podcaster. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Hey, tune in, or you're listening to, or if you haven't subscribed, go right now and subscribe. SLTD Roundtable, the podcast. You got to tune in. These guys are great. They're greater than great, but they ain't as great as Double J. Ain't we great? Hi everyone and welcome back to the SLTV Roundtable. It is myself and Callum today. Um, we mentioned this last time we recorded, which was our Money in the Bank SummerSlam reactions, predictions that we might be without tie for a couple of weeks and we're essentially bumping off our summer project for a couple of weeks. Um, that's happened this week. We don't know what we're going to do next week, but we'll keep, we'll, we'll keep going and we'll keep planning through. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're going to do today, we did an episode very similar to this. Um, it was all Callum's idea um, in that we did a WrestleMania Files. So on my film podcast, Farnham Film, we do something called Film Files, where we talk about our favourite films, memorable cinema trips, things like that. And Callum tweaked that idea for us to do it for WrestleMania. So we thought, being as we're coming up to the biggest party of the summer, that we'll do it for SummerSlam. So we're going to basically go through our first, our favourite, some memorable moments, some matches and stuff like that about SummerSlam have a bit of a reminisce and kind of go from there. But Callum, how are you? How's your week been? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm very relieved that we're in July stroke August time. Um, I'm not sure whether we could do a, a Stomping Ground Files or a Great Balls of Fire Files, which... Great Balls of Fire Files. Fire Files. <laughs> that, that seems really difficult to, to even consider. I mean, to be honest, there's only really Survivor Series and probably rumble and to an extent money in the bank that we could do this for um, yeah 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 there, there really aren't many other pay-per-views that i would feel confident of picking memorable moments from and that being said we've set off podcasts that we've both found it quite difficult to pick you know hidden gems or and memorable matches from from summer slams and it's quite scary to think that you've been watching summer slam since the early 2000s and i've been watching summer slams from roughly around 2008 2009 and it's weird SummerSlam has always felt like a big deal in in the eyes of uh, I assume WWE as a fan it's it's very difficult for my part to think well that SummerSlam wasn't as good as that WrestleMania that year mm-hmm. um, I mean we could roll off best part of five or ten WrestleMania matches that we can go back and re-watch every year and in this case, in this scenario, it's very difficult for me to say, do I want to go back and rewatch that match from the 2016 SummerSlam? I don't want to go back and rewatch Apollo Crews, Apollo Crews versus The Miz at SummerSlam 2016 or Randy Orton versus Rusev from that year. Definitely, I don't want to go back and rewatch Jinder Mahal versus Nakamura from 2017. Whereas with other pay-per-views like a Mania or a Rumble, you think, yeah, I'll slip on Rollins, Lesnar versus Cena. At Rumble 2015 and have a good time. So yeah, yeah it's interesting to see where where your you know where your picks come from. And I hope it's the same for your sake when I say mine. It is a strange one in that again we, we kind of spoke a little bit about this off podcast that 
I think Rumble and Mania matches, we can easily go that one, that one, that one, you know. Um, I think what's going to be interesting for us to do this year is if we do this for Survivor Series as well, because then we can think about memorable teams and stuff like that. Yeah. But SummerSlam, weirdly, I th- I don't know if it's more since I've become a teacher or actually even, even during school time, because this was always the one that I was able to watch. This was always the one that, regardless of when, you know, what was happening the next day, it was the summer holidays. So it meant that we could stay up and we could watch it. So I think I've got more of an affinity for it for that. There are definitely Mm. some that I might mention today that I remember being 14, 15 and being staying up for. Um, There were some more so as an adult and just before Ruby were, were staying up for as well. Um, because obviously since Ruby staying up for a pay per view has not happened, um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre in that I can pluck out memories. I think I can pluck out moments and little things like that, but standout matches, I was a bit few and far between. <clears throat> so it was in like I, like I said to you as well, like I had to go through Wikipedia, I had to troll through the cards of each ones to find yeah. my, my hidden gems and stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but you know, we'll 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 hopefully pull more some some more positive memories out of this um, along the way. So what we'll do is we'll start with our first SummerSlam. So I'll kick us off because I think mine's going to be earlier than yours. I think mm-hmm. that's a, yeah. that's an obvious one. Um, so I'd already mentioned this to you. Now I maintain that I've been watching wrestling since 2000 because I very vividly remember Jeff Hardy doing a swanton onto one of the Dudleys at Royal Rumble 2000. But then I think what would have happened around that time is that I was aware of the product. I was watching it here and there. I wasn't religiously following it. I'd say that came very late 2002, where probably with the brand split. I very, again, vividly remember Stephanie McMahon holding up the the SmackDown tag team titles and being like, we're going to do a tournament. That led to SmackDown 6. So I think my first SummerSlam in terms of watching it as I was following religiously was 2003. Now, 2003 is a pay-per-view year that sticks out very much so in my mind because I had the DVDs of all the pay-per-views from that year and the spines spelt out the words 2003. And I very much enjoyed just kind of looking at that and and getting them all when I eventually got them all. Um, So I'm going to go through the card for SummerSlam. 2003, um, see this kind of jags out any memories. Now, the one thing that I didn't know is that there was a pre-show match, which I'm assuming was a Sunday night heat match between Rey Mysterio and Shannon Moore for the Cruiserweight title, but it only lasted two minutes and three seconds. So on the <laughs> on an hour's, <laughs> on an hour's Sunday night heat, the one match you get is two minutes long. Um, so the show kicked off with La Resistance, Rene Dupree and Sylvain Gagne defeating the Dudley Boys and retaining the World Tag Team titles. This was also where Rob Conway showed up. Um, I think he'd shown up a couple of times before this on Raw. Uh, they, were, they were referring to him as a sort of, I think, a French sympathiser, which is what they referred to, I think, Sergeant Slaughter as at one point, as an Iraqi sympathiser, which is such a weird word. Like, I'm going to sympathise yeah. with the French. So that is my job title. That I I go, I get you guys. I feel sorry for you, you know. Um, Undertaker defeated A-Train with Sable. That sounds like a handicap match, but it wasn't. 
Shane McMahon defeated Eric Bischoff in a false count anywhere match. That was actually an all right match. It okay. wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Very solid mid card match. Eddie Guerrero as United States champion mm. defended and retained his title against Chris Benoit, Rhino, and Tajiri. They were kind of like four that were very much intertwined because at one point Benoit and Rhino were tag team partners. At one point Eddie and Tajiri were tag team partners. Eddie and Benoit had the thought of the finals of the tournament for the title as well. So there was a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Kurt Angle defeated Brock Lesnar, retained the WWE Championship by submission. Kane defeated RVD in a no-hold-bad match because this was around the time that Kane was unmasked finally and all that kind of stuff. And then Elimination Chamber, Triple H as world champion, defeated Goldberg, Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton and Kevin Nash because that's the controversial one where Everyone just assumed Goldberg was going to win going in. And then yeah. Triple H retained, and then Goldberg ended up winning a month later. Because Unforgiven 2003, the one that came after this, is much more of a vivid memory in my mind yeah. than that SummerSlam. Um, I very distinctly remember like Orton beating Michaels, the tables match with the Dudleys. There was a weird tag team match where JR and King lost <laughs> to Al Snow and Coachman, which meant that Al Snow and Coachman were now the commentary team on Raw. Yeah, it was weird. Um, but yeah, that was that was the first summer song that I remember. Some good matches, some solid matches, less moments, I'd say, less kind of like big, you know, stacking. I think if Goldberg had won at that point, that probably would have it's it's a weird one because as I look down that card, nobody nobody loses the title, but very soon after they all kind of do. Okay. I think the only one who doesn't soon after is Eddie. Because Eddie lost the United States title to Big Show at No Mercy, so that would have been October. Yeah. La Resistance dropped the tag team titles, the next pay-per-view to the Dudleys. Um, Angle lost the title to Lesnar in the September, so it would have been the following month on a SmackDown in the Ironman match. And then Triple H lost the title to Goldberg Unforgiven as well. So it's a bit mm. weird that they have they didn't pull any triggers at SummerSlam. They, they yeah. thought we're going to... Because as a bit like we keep saying this, it's a big four, isn't it? So it's like you think that if any triggers are being pulled, that's where they're happening. And if any titles are switching, you're going to do it there rather than unforgiven, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much to say about that show. It's like it's a decent show. Um, every now and again on the network, I kind of go back and sort of I, I say to Amy sometimes when we've got nothing to watch, I say, like, oh, pick a year. And we just go onto the network and, you know, stick something on from that year. Um, but there's one on my favourites, because I've got two favourites that I wrote down, that is very close to that time frame, um, which I'd much prefer. Mm. And we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but yeah, so it's on 2003. What's yours, Cal? It's weird talking about, you know, perhaps results from SummerSlam history. It almost feels that, SummerSlam is a, quite a heel-dominated show mm. in terms of who the winners are. So when, when you think of WrestleMania and some of the moments that we remember, it's, you know, in your scenario, Eddie defeating Angle, you know, those moments yeah. where the face prevails. And obviously at WrestleMania 20, a face prevailed in the main event, and let's not talk about what happened afterwards. But that was still, at that time, a very memorable moment in 2004. Um, whereas with SummerSlams, like I look back at some of the results, you had like last year Reigns defeating Cena, which sort of felt like okay, well we expected Reigns to beat Cena, but it was still a bit of a eh, moment. 
And I, think, I guess that's probably why SummerSlam like matches and pay-per-views don't really sit well or you know don't really stay in my mind as much as Mania moments do. Um, but I think I'm similar to you, where I started watching wrestling in 07, but I don't really remember the 07, 08 or 09 SummerSlams all too well because I think I just mainly just watched Raw and SmackDown around this time. And being like a, a 9, 10 and then an 11 year old kid, it was like, well, it's summer holiday and I'm probably going to be away. Mm. So I was either away or I was just like something else on that meant that I didn't watch SummerSlam live or even during the week. So I remember perhaps like watching the highlights on YouTube or even like during like a Raw recap. But I don't necessarily remember watching like a whole pay-per-view throughout, which is quite odd. But I don't know, it just never really felt that SummerSlam was a treat. Like it almost just felt like it was just a given that it was going to be happening during the summer. Whereas Mania growing up, it was like, you know how I'm finishing school later this week? Can we order Mania and watch it like the last Friday of, of half term before the Easter break? And then the older that you got, you're like, well, now that we're in like the first week of Easter holiday, can we watch WrestleMania? And it was like, yes, of course. SummerSlam, like being like the fourth, third, fourth week of the summer holiday, it almost just, just appeared around the corner. And you're like, you weren't necessarily, like it wasn't necessarily like a surprise. It was just always a given it was happening then. So sometimes for me, it was like, well, I don't think I'll order it. You know, I'll just watch watch like the highlights and watch it, what they show um, mm-hmm. on Raw. So like the first SummerSlam, I think I can remember watching sort of in full was SummerSlam 2010. And I looked at the card and to be honest, I can only remember the main event. So I may go back and rewatch the rest of the card at some point. But obviously the main event was Team Cena versus Nexus. I think it was maybe Team WWE versus Team Nexus. I might be going yeah, too kind yeah, on, I think so, on yeah. the Cena front. Um, but I remember the whole build to it. Obviously, I remember Nexus invading Raw and Daniel Bryan choking out um, Justin Roberts with the tie. And then God knows why that's the vivid memory I remember of Bryan choking out Justin Roberts. It's quite a disturbed memory to think of it as, as a 12-year-old. Um, but I mean, the whole angle just seemed to, to click. And it just, as a, like, as a 12-year-old being a Cena fan, it was that thing of like, well, I want Cena to win. You know, I want Cena to be the hero and, you know, defeat these villainous Nexus group. And it led me to even like support people like John Morrison and R-Truth. And for a brief moment, the great Carly before he got injured. <laughs> and I remember like a certain moment on Raw where like Nexus were attacking um, the face group. And I think, I can't remember which team it may have been. It was Cena and someone else had just faced Edge and Jericho and like who were at that time like two of the main heels outside of Nexus yeah. and they sort of like walked away from the ring and then they just both like glanced back at the same time and then just like well we may as well go and help them and it was just a cool moment because Edge and Jericho you know for me like between 07 to 2010 were two guys that, to be honest I didn't really like because of them being heels but almost as soon as they sort of turned face then I began to become supporters of them and sort of have been since that time. Um, so it was quite a, a fun storyline to be invested in. And I know like the result of the match now gets looked back on and says, well, why didn't Team Nexus win? Because if you look at all of their careers after that match, it just sort of went downhill ever since. You know, Barrett perhaps had the best career 
for like the next 12 months he was at least still involved in like a world title feud and feuding with Cena and Orton um but then I mean everyone else you know I think it's we said something a few months ago and I got it wrong on a quiz question because I think David Otunga may still be employed by WWE in some sort of lawyer's role which might be very useful right now with Vince um, I'm, I'm going to Google while you uh, finish. I mean, the obviously, Barrett's employed by WWE as a commentator on NXT, but there's very little members of the original Nexus that are still around in the company and in like, even still around in wrestling. So it's quite scary to think that 12 years ago they were being built up as this new faction and you, you had hopes for these, you know, Barrett to become a world champion. And now, purely perhaps based on that one match, their careers just just dwindled immediately. But again, as a 12-year-old kid who rooted for Team Cena to win, I was like, well, that's cool. Team Cena won. Isn't that good? And really, from a from a storyline perspective, it was. But from a booking perspective, it wasn't. So I guess that's why I look back on it quite fondly, because it's such a... I assume it's quite a controversial topic topic to discuss, because obviously that team should have won, but they didn't. And it's just a moment that a moment in a match I probably won't forget because of how much it's still talked about 12 years later. And whether it may not have actually been like the first SummerSlam I watch, but thinking back when, when like I said on Tuesday, let's do a SummerSlam files. And I was like, what's the first SummerSlam I really remember? And I thought I looked looked at the 07 card and I think it was maybe Cena, Cena Orton main evented in 07. And 08, you had Edge Taker in the Hell in the Cell, which I sort of remember, but not, not to the same extent as this 2010 pay-per-view. Then 09, you had Punk versus Hardy. And I think I remember more the Steel Cage match on SmackDown because I definitely watched that one. Mm. Um, so 2010 was like the one where I was like, I mean, I'm almost certain I watched the main event, so I have to pick that one. And it's an all right one, I guess, to remember because of the, the history that's sort of behind it. Yeah, I um. So the, the, to clear up the David Otunga thing, um. Apparently, he finished up with WWE in two thousand eighteen. Oh. Um. So I think you would have been fine. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um. Yeah, he's appeared on commentary since occasionally. Yeah. Apparently. Um. They've got him down as an actor. Apparently, he's going to appear in the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> um. Two things to mention. Number one, it was very interesting that you were talking about how SummerSlam is very much a kind of heel thing. Mm. And I think both of us share the same opinion, that if there's a result that we could go back and change, it would be Nexus winning. Yeah. Um, Because I think it just scuppered any momentum that they had at that point. Mm. Um, And then I'm going to go back to one of your points about, you know, having... I refer to it as, as, as accessibility. So... SummerSlam being a bit of a thing where, like, are you going to watch it? Are you not going to watch it? I think for us now, of course mm. we're going to watch it because we pay for the network and it's yeah. on the network, so we're going to watch it. Whereas around about the time where I started watching, going into even the time where you started watching, mm. so, like, for me, SummerSlams of, you know, I'd say 2003 to 2000 and probably 14 were mm. I was at home, I was living at home, which yeah. meant that my mum and our partner or, and or her partner were paying for the the cable, the sky, the virgin, whatever it was mm. we were using. So then it was a it was an ask, it was a 
can I order this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Mm. And then if it was a no, it was then a, I'm going to have to wait for the DVD then. Or I'm going to have to wait for yeah. another way of watching it. Um, so I think, again, like, unless... I think it was more so when Amy came in around. So, like, I've been with Amy since 2006. So it was more so then where it was a case of, like, we're going to get stacks in, we're going to stay up, we're going to do this, mm. we're allowed to order it. Like, sometimes it'd be a case of, like, my mum would say, it's 15 quid, give us a tenner, and he can have it, you know. So then, you know, yeah. we'd have to, from wherever we got money from, uh, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd do that. But then I think more so now, it's just a case of, well, we pay for the network, so we're going to watch it. So it's yeah. much easier for us now to access these kind of pay-per-views or premium live events. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely back then it was more of a, an accessibility thing than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. I think with, with the Rumble, Rumble for me has got the same appeal as Mania. So yeah. when I was like, when I was growing up, when I was in the first Rumble I watched, excluding the Michaels Taker spot, was actually the 2008 Rumble, which sort mm. of fit in the timeline of when I was watching. So it was like, obviously I found out that Cena had won. And I was like saying to my mum, can I order this pay-per-view? Because Cena's returned and won. And she knew at that time how much of a Cena fan I was. So it was like, Okay, at the end of this week, at the end of the school week, give us five pounds or ten pounds, you know, because we sort of got pocket money or money from grandparents, which you know sort of saved for for moments where I was like, can I order this paper? And I was like, yeah, sure. So when I get home from school from like four till seven, I'll be in the front room watching watching yeah. this pay per view, and I like put ten pounds under like the clock in the living room at the start of the week. It's like, so at the end of the week, I can definitely watch this. Yeah, we'll order it for you. Don't worry. So it was so it was that sort of thing where I got back from school and it just felt like a, a big deal to then get home and watch the pay-per-view. Whereas like with SummerSlam, it was just on and it was like, eh, okay, I might watch Yeah. It. I, I feel like, again, even with things like that, where like, just because it's on and you know that you can watch it, it almost mm-hmm. takes away the sort of need to try and find yeah. the time to watch it. Yeah. Because like with the Rumbles, the Rumbles have always been that thing of, especially now being a teacher, of they always fall in term time. Yeah. So rumbles are the worst thing to try and avoid for spoilers, especially mm. if you've got kids who watch wrestling and will find out things about it. So like, I remember the 2000 and oh God, what would it have been? 2017 one, the San Antonio one in the Alamo Dome. Yeah. And I was going all day trying to avoid spoilers and the kids knew I was trying to avoid spoilers. Yeah. And then a group of lads got one of the mates who has no idea about wrestling, doesn't watch wrestling, just to come up to me and go, Randy Orton. And I was like, what? (laughs) Don't know. Don't you dare. Um, Did that kid have detention for like the last... Yes, that kid was chucked through a window. Um, Yeah. Jumped through a window, jumped through a window, like Martin Ginetti did. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it it came such an awful thing to try and just dodge... spoilers all the time so then i think it was only probably during uni times where we'd start a bit later or we wouldn't have a lecture on the monday where we'd stay up and watch a rumble yeah um 2013 being a very again vivid one i think that's a word that i'm going to use a lot on this podcast where i I was in the kitchen Dolph Ziggler had come out and it was like oh he's just he's talking a lot of rubbish he's saying he's, he's going to be number two and then i heard the break the wall and i was like what uh, yeah, he's, well, he's not there. Well, he's touring with Fuzzy, and he like <laughs> and ran back in the front room. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll do that in January. Yeah. We'll do the rumble. 
He's hoping Ty can join us because yes. you know, I'm sure he's got your memories of Rumbles from Oh, yesterday. he'll be talking 1992 Royal Rumble, Ric Flair with a tear in his eye. Yeah, all that nonsense. Right. So, favourite SummerSlam. Now, I had to put two down because okay. I think the first one that I'm going to mention is the earliest one. I think just off the top of my head, that was the one that I went straight to. Mm. So, I think this would be a favourite, but I have an affinity for and nice memories around the other one. So I'm going to, mm. yeah. So the first one is the 2004 SummerSlam. Now, okay. I very distinctly remember watching this for a couple of reasons. One being, this was around the time where my mum had started getting into watching wrestling with me. Okay. And she'd order the pay-per-views and we'd stay up and watch them, or she'd stay up as long as she could do to watch them. I'd usually do the whole hog. Um, yeah. I've, with this one, I remember um, my Uncle Darren coming round on the Sunday and going, so have you got any plans for the evening? And I was like, yep, SummerSlam, staying up for SummerSlam. Uh, JBL's going to get his ass kicked because he's facing The Undertaker. And like <laughs> all, my, all my Uncle Darren was doing was going, yeah, I can think of much better things to stay up and watch than that. Yep, yep, much better things. I was like, shut your face doesn't matter. So, this card then. So, I get pre-show match. I don't remember the pre-show match. RVD defeated Rene Dupree. Um, opening six-man tag. There's something about this that I really like. And I think it, it it's because it puts that era of wrestling that I really, really enjoy going back to in a bit of a bottle. Mm. And especially SmackDown. So, it's the Dudleys, Bubba Ray and Devon, and Cruiserweight champion Spike Dudley versus tag team champions, Billy Kidman and Paul London, mm. and Rey Mysterio. Oh, so wow. As an opening yeah. match, I really like that, because it is, it's just that era that kind of, again, you know, is in a bit of a bottle. Six-man tag, um, the Dudleys won that one. That Kane then defeated Matt Hardy in a to, till death do us part match, mm. because this was the weird thing where we had back-to-back years of Matt Hardy being in a rivalry with somebody who had Lita on the other yeah. side, whereas this one was the fake, oh, I'm Kane and I've got Lita pregnant, and yeah. then the year after was the, oh, I'm Edge and I very much slept with your girlfriend. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, then we started, and this was an interesting one, because I've never seen or heard of one of these before, so this was the start of the best in the five series for the WWE United States title between Cena and Booker T. Okay. So Cena won match one, but that mm. didn't mean that he won the title because Booker was champion. He mm. had to win three of the five matches. And, yeah. You know, and I thought that's interesting that, that they're going to do that. Um, triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. Edge is champion, defeating Batista and Jericho. Very interesting because this was in Toronto and Edge got booed. Mm. Yeah. So again, yeah, I, think that, I remember like watching this from like his documentary or something. Yeah. Because then, yeah. then he returned X how many months later and got cheered at somewhere. Yeah, because um, he, he turned heel eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kurt Angle with Luther Reigns defeated Eddie Guerrero by submission. So that would have been your kind of prototypical WrestleMania rematch from that year. Yeah. Um, Triple H defeated Eugene. That's, yeah, that's not good. Uh, right. 14 minutes that match got, which was longer oh than the Eddie and Angle match. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, JBL defeated Undertaker by DQ to retain his WWE title. This was also where he got chokes on through the roof of the limousine oh. and the, the limo roof 
yeah. kind of just goes floppy. And it's like, that's not a real roof. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's not a knife. Um, and then Randy Orton defeated Eddie Champion in history. Um, so hang on, my Zoom has just gone crazy. Oh, really? Zoom can, Zoom can cannot, not detect your speaker or your microphone. I think it's gone back. It's fine. It's fine. As long as you can okay. hear me, it's fine. Because your yeah, voice so, went weird for a second. I was worried that my internet connection was going to go oh, down again. So I was oh, ducking and diving away. Well, that last one, again, just in case, was Orton defeating Benoit to win the world title and become the youngest world champion. Um, because again, I think at that point, I was like, it's a bit weird that he's in this match because... Usually Triple H is the one that's in these big matches. And yeah. in Evolution, it's a bit weird that it's hard. And then mm. when he won, I was like, I, it's very, it surprised me. I remember that being one of the first times where I was shocked by a result. I was like, I okay. didn't expect that. Um, and then obviously the night after the alternative and his reign only lasts a month. But yeah, I think for that one, I don't, I don't, it might have been the staying up and watching it. Because again, I think with the 2003 one, I don't think I stayed up and watched it. I no. think I'd caught up with it afterwards. And then this was very much it. I remember staying up and watching it. I remember the chokes on through the limousine roof. I remember very groggily seeing Randy Orton raise the world title at something like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it, it just it sticks out a lot. And then I remember as well the vignettes around it because 2004 was an Olympic year. So yeah. all, of the, all of the vignettes and the adverts they did they did a series of them, They're very similar to what they did with the Mania stuff that year, where they did the, okay. tra- uh, the, the 2005 Mania, where they did mm. the film trailers. With this one, they did lots of different like sporting events. So this one where Eddie cheated in one of yeah, like, yeah. The, like the hundred meters or something, and he tied all the shoelaces, and then just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they had like Batista doing like a shot put or a discus, I think. Um, you had somebody else doing a javelin. Eugene did some. I think he set something on fire with the Olympic torch. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, but it was just. It was a fun kind of build to that pay per view. Um, the other one to mention, and I won't spend too long on this, even though it's got twelve matches on the card, which is insane. Um, is two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. Now this is because again we were we were expecting Ruby, so Ruby was mm. born on the 30th of August. Okay. And the thing that Ruby has in common with wrestling, as I always remember and go back to, is she... So technically, she was born on the 30th of August, which was a Tuesday morning. She was born at one minute past one, um, oh. which is one minute into Monday Night Raw oh, on you... the 29th of August. <laughs> Watching it on your iPad in the hospital. Now, I wasn't watching it. I was yeah. very much refreshing Twitter. Yeah. As she was being born, because I didn't go into the delivery room. I was like, I can't see that. Yeah. I, let, I let Amy go in, obviously, and I let my mother-in-law go in, but I can't see that stuff. Um, so as I'm feeding her for the first time, as Amy's recovering, I'm sort of looking at my Twitter. I'm scrolling down. Oh, Kevin Owens has just won the Universal title. Uh, that's <laughs> always what I go back to for that one. Um, but again, this one, this was, I want to say the last pay-per-view, but I don't think it was because I think we did, we must have done the NXT TakeOver Toronto where my friend came round. Mm. So this is Daniel who doesn't watch wrestling but has come round a lot for a lot of pay-per-views because he likes the social aspect of it. Yeah. And this was where I took a picture of him sat in the middle of my front room floor because he was just sat stirring watching Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and 
the amount mm. of like shit that he'd given me that day going, yeah. do I have to come round for SummerSlam? But I don't really watch it. And it's yeah. like, it's half three in the morning and you're glued to my TV. Like, yeah. don't, don't give me that nonsense that you don't like this stuff. Um, so if I just run down that card very, very quickly, um, it had a three-match pre-show. So this was where they had the 12-man tag team match, which was insane. So the Usos, American Alpha, and the Hype Bros defeated Breeze Angle, the Ascension, and the Vaude Villains. Oh. That was a quiz question. I remember that being the quiz question. Yeah. Um, Sami Zayn and Neville defeated the Dudleys. Sheamus defeated Cesaro in the first of the Best of Seven series. Mm. And then now you're on to the main card. Jericho and Owens defeated Enzo and Cass. Charlotte defeated Sasha for the women's title. That's not why I like this show. Uh, yeah. The Miz defeated Apollo Crews. Uh, AJ versus Cena. Great match. Yeah. Great match. Um, Anderson and Gallows defeated New Day by DQ. I think that was a John Stewart nonsense. Wasn't um, that around like, the time when... And, were they the doctors, Anderson and Gallows? Was that the yes. time when they... Yes. Were doing some weird things in a were in really like, long... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dean Ambrose defeated Dolph Ziggler to retain the world title. Nikki Bella, Natalia, and Alexa Bliss defeated Becky Lynch, Naomi, and Carmella. The Nikki match. returned at that one. Yes, she I think, did. I think Natalia was supposed to be in the match. Yeah. Natalia had been taken out beforehand somehow. And that's when Nikki returned. Yes, yes, it was. Um, the one that I kind of go back to, the match of the night for me was, uh, well, no, actually, probably Styles and Cena, but um, Bauer and Rollins. Yeah. Um, I loved the fact that they put the title on Bauer and I was gutted that he got injured. Because, um, again, it would have been a totally different thing, I think. And then the main event was Lesnar versus Orton, um, where Lesnar just bodied Orton and won it basically through a TKO. And I remember that as well, because this was the point. You know, you start flagging, don't you, at like yeah. half three, four o'clock. And then Amy's on the sofa going, oh, my God, like he's actually just elbowing him in the head. And then mm. you see the gash and she was just horrified. But yeah, that was just one that I wanted to mention as a kind of... going to labour during Lesnar or... Can you imagine? Yeah, I, I, have been, I, just, I, I would I, not have been ready for that. I just had a thought. I mean, imagine if you, you made an, an agreement with her that we will name our, our child after the last wrestling match that we watched. Or like, if you'd hung on until half four, you could have been called Kevin or something. Come on, Brock. Come on, bro. <laughs> oh, God. No, I would not have been ready for that because Amy's, Amy's labour was bad enough as it was yeah. in that we were put on a ward um, mm. and it was just a case of, oh, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And I yeah. went back I went back home on the Sunday night because we basically, we were doing, I would do the day, Amy's mum would come, home, come here, sleep, and then she mm. would go in the evening um, so then I could sleep yeah. and I came back home and fell asleep and within half an hour got a phone call saying they're moving us onto the labour ward so wow. very little sleep that day very yeah. I grunted at a student nurse um, yeah. at one point because I'd fallen asleep and I, when I woke up in a very sort of groggy haze to go to the toilet she kind of went oh we've not met I'm and I went oh. and squat <laughs> past her <laughs> but anyway uh, what's your favourite SummerSlam, Callum? So I'm, I'm the same as you. I've actually got two. And the first one that I'll mention is the one that you've just talked about. It's 2016, okay. which is quite useful, really, because you've gone through the whole card. And to be honest, I hadn't planned on going through the whole card of 
either of the two that I'm going to mention. Half a job. Half a job. Easy. Um, <laughs> I remember AJ Cena a lot. Um, so I just I just remember just absolutely loving it. And it was obviously a few weeks after their match at Money in the Bank, which was all right, but it was sort of underwhelming because obviously Anderson and Gallows interfered. And mm. for me, that Money in the Bank is more remembered by Seth defeating Roman and then Dean cashing in on Seth. So there's not a lot, a lot to remember from their from their first clash. Um, but I mean SummerSlam, just just the pop for AJ when when his entrance hit was just absolutely insane. And and I, I'm turning my back on Cena here after what I talked about him in 2010. But by 2016, I hadn't gone off Cena like to the point where I just booed him like other fans would have. But it was at that point where I was like, well, I want this other guy to win because I think this even though AJ at that time was, what, 39, I want this new star to win. He, he deserves to be pushed. <laughs> this hot young star, AJ Styles, put him over. Um, and he was, what, two years young, older, sorry, two years younger than Cena, so there's not really that much. That's crazy. There's not much age difference between the two. But, I mean, just the whole match, AJ hitting like a, a springboard hurricanrana was just ridiculous. And... I was downstairs and I was with my parents and brother were, were upstairs and sound asleep. And at one point I just remember like almost like leaping out my, my seat. And I thought I probably shouldn't have done that because I may have just woken up uh, my parents. And then about five minutes later, I heard a bit of a stumble from upstairs. And it turned <laughs> out my dad had tripped over the dog's bed and it landed on, on, on mum in the bed. And I was a bit worried. I thought, oh god, if I woke them up, there's a burglar kind of, downstairs. <laughs> I kind of like quietly went upstairs, like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'm good, don't worry. And <laughs> okay, phew, I'll go back down and watch the wrestling. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from, from July 2016 to August 2016 was obviously like the month for Finn. So yeah. like he made his like he, he was what draft pick number three maybe. Uh, was three. he? Was he? Was he the? He wasn't the first one, was he? I think Seth was the first for Team Raw. Yeah, he was definitely. Yeah, he was definitely up there. He was, he was the first from NXT. He was the. Yeah. He was one of the first few picks made, mm. and I remember watching the draft because it was so quite weird. Because um, obviously I'd finished school and wasn't doing anything, and my brother was out of work, and I was like, "So it's the WWE draft tonight. So should we just stay up and watch it?" And like. By that time, my brother was like, he sort of knew who the wrestlers were. And when Finn was picked, oh, is he good? I was like, yeah, he's really good. And my granddad was outside in the conservatory. I think he may have walked in at one point and said, oh, what's this? And was like, oh, uh, yeah, we're staying up a little bit later than supposed to. Um, But I mean, and then like a few days later, just after he defeated Roman in that main event on Raw, um, that day was when I was going down to record Pointless. And I was like, what shirt shall I wear when I'm down in London? And I thought, let's wear my NXT TakeOver London shirt, which had Finn, like, front and centre. Yeah. And I just thought, well, considering, like, he's now on Raw and he's just defeated Roman, he's sort of becoming quite a big deal. So I thought I'll hop on the on the bandwagon slightly. No one noticed who it was, which was a bit of a pity. I wanted to be, I wanted to be, like, high-fived in the hotel. Trendsetter. Like, hey, that's Finn Balor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. No one noticed it, but it's a nice shirt still, so I'm glad I wore it. And then, obviously, like the injury post SummerSlam was absolutely devastating, and really, he's never regained that momentum, especially mm. on the main roster. 
And I, I mean, I don't know whether we would have still got the Goldberg Lesnar title match at WrestleMania 33. Uh, but whether we did or not, I still really wanted like a three or four month run for Finn. You know, yeah. if, if he'd, what, he'd won at SummerSlam, let's say he held it until Royal Rumble, where Owens defeated him. And then Owens held the title for a month and dropped it to Goldberg. And you still had the whole Lesnar Goldberg, Owens Jericho, and whatever you'd have done with Finn would have been fine. But it's just so sad that he never really picked up that, that momentum again. And I just remember it more for my friend was away. Like he was like, so I'm going away on the Saturday. So that means I'm going to be missing SummerSlam. Do you mind not spoiling it for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, you're going to miss AJ Cena and Finn Seth and Lesnar Orton. But no, I, I won't say anything about what happened at SummerSlam. And like the night after SummerSlam, like the news broke that Finn was going to be out for six to nine months. And I was like, I'm still not going to let him know because he's going to watch it and, and everything. And, you know, he'll find yeah. out himself. And then he like messaged saying, I've just watched Finn versus Seth, great match. And I said, it really was. Um, just to let you know, Finn's going to be out now for six to nine months. And he was like, oh, what, really? And like, I was like, well, I'm really happy I didn't tell him off, off the bat because if, 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 if I hadn't, he probably wouldn't have watched the match because I think he would have just expected Seth to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think when you know that someone's injured. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, like, whenever... Whenever news comes out that someone's injured and I end up reading it before I watch the show, mm. I'm then constantly trying to find where the injury is. Yeah. I mean, like, like with, with Cody Seth, it was obvious. Yeah. With with Punk and Punk's foot. Yeah. When I eventually watched Dynamite, I was trying to pick up the point where yeah. he'd done it. Um, but I think with the Finn one, I'm, I think I went back to it after this day announced that he was, he was injured. Yeah, I don't think you could have talked. You could have no. realized, you know. But I mean, it was a power bomb, wasn't it? Into the yeah, okay, which Seth had done numerous times. And it's just the way that he like, landed. It's just it's one of those. You things. sort of noticed it before. Oh, that's just really good selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like he kind of held it and like looked to be a bit uncomfortable, but then like moments later, he was still, you know, wrestling at, at full flow. I think but, in um, Finn's twenty-four, his dad said something like. I could tell that he'd done something as soon yeah. as he, as soon as he sort of, I think, landed and looked up. His yeah. dad just went, "Something's not right here." Yeah, but I mean, it was just still a really good pay per view. You know, the AJ Cena and Finn Seth matches just stick out so much that it's just a pay per view that I, I'm more than happy to go back and rewatch a couple of the matches mm. from. Um, but I think my favorite one is 2013, favorite okay. SummerSlam with. Punk Lesnar and Brian Cena. Punk mm. Punk Lesnar for me is one of the best SummerSlam matches of all time, um, and it's crazy to think where it sort of sat on the card. It, it just seemed like it was it wasn't like a mid card feud at all because of who was involved, but it just seemed just to be clogged in the middle of the pay per view, um, which I guess helped it in a way because it's similar in a way to AJ Cena three years later where it was just bang in the middle of the pay per view and. You sometimes need that match to get you back into a back into a pay-per-view. Mm. Um, but I mean, I was sold that Punk was winning on numerous occasions. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, Punk clearly has to win. You know, Lesnar's going to be off TV for a few months anyway, again. So Punk should win. So when Lesnar won, I was slightly disappointed. But then I thought, that was probably the best Brock match I've ever seen. Because I've never really been a big Brock fan. But I always feel when it, whenever he wrestles... 
perhaps smaller guys, that's where you get the better matches out of. You know, him versus Taker was all right, you know, from later years. But it was like the matches that he had with AJ and Brian and Punk, who could sort of sell the impact of a suplex more and sell just the impact of facing Brock better. And then when Punk would go on the offense, Brock's own selling of like a suicide dive and perhaps like the, the overall surprise of what, what Punk was doing really, really helped. Um, and then the main event was really good as well because we never we never really saw Brian, so we never really saw Cena wrestle someone of Brian's ability in a way, except obviously Punk. But you you always just assume that Cena would beat guys like Brian because because of what had been said about Cena of like, well, he beats smaller guys, you know, it's you know, it's a small guy getting this, you know, this one shot against one of the big stars and you know in three weeks' time he'll be back back on main event or mm. superstars. Um whereas this just felt completely different. This was really the organic movement of the yes movement had just begun. Now, obviously, you had, you know, what happened with Brian at WrestleMania 28 and the outcome of that. And then you had the Team Hell No stuff with Kane that was just beginning to push Brian to the main event status. Yeah. So it just felt like it, like a natural, sort of just natural progression for him to, to be in the main event of SummerSlam and actually beat Cena. You know, him beating Cena just felt like such a huge deal for someone who, for me, like months prior, I was like thinking, well, I don't really know where Brian's ceiling is. Like, to be honest, I thought, well, he's good, but he's probably going to be IC US level, just based yeah. on what others had, others, uh, others that had faced seen had been pushed to. So him winning was such a cool moment. And then, like, just the heel turn at the end from Triple H and the autumn cashing in. And I think we mentioned it when we were doing our Money in the Bank bracketology with Ty, why the autumn cashing sort of lives in the memory because of... Mm. A, what happened that, that caused it with the Hilton from Triple H, but then what came later on, like you had the whole authority angle basically run run out for the best part of two years following mm. the SummerSlam. And it was such a huge storyline that just, just basically controlled WWE for the next X how many months. And it started with such a huge moment at SummerSlam. It's just one that, because of what then happened at WrestleMania 30 with Brian, that, I can't really forget because it's that's just the first chapter of such a big, a big story for Brian and just a big story in terms of WWE. And I think that's probably why 2013 lives in the memory, not just because of uh, punk rock, but because of really what storylines we got out of it. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a weird one in that clearly WWE were recognizing Brian's popularity. Mm. And I mean, the whole yes movement started mainly a 28 weekend and it, uh, they kind of, they shot themselves in the foot with the whole 18 second thing with mm. Sheamus. Then he ends up in this tag team with Kane, which, you know, does, does what it does. And then they eventually kind of go, we can't ignore Brian's popularity. So we're going to give him the title match at SummerSlam. I, mm. I would imagine at some point Cena might have requested it um, mm. and requested that program. Um and then, you know, they end up putting the title on Orton. But then you get this sort of, again, groundswell of the fans want to see Brian in a prominent position. You gave it us for a smidge. You gave it us for about a month and a half, ultimately. Mm. And now we want it back. And then that then leads to Mania 30. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think 
your, your choice of 13 to a 2013 is a very good one because I think it's a very work rate SummerSlam. It's a very yeah. kind of very solid matches top to bottom mm-hmm. and then some great ones as well thrown in. Yeah. Good choice. Right. Uh, mem- moments. Memorable moments. So, okay. where are we? Um, so, one that I've already mentioned, um, 2004, Randy Orton winning the world title. Mm. Um, was one that I wrote down. Um, my next one is 2009. So it's the Punk Hardy Taker. Now, mm. I really enjoyed the Punk and Hardy fuse, and then I really enjoyed the TLC match. But the one spot that I really liked, and I think more so, I remember Amy's reaction to it, where she just couldn't fathom how they'd managed to do it, where mm. Punk is stood over Jeff holding the title. The gong goes, it goes dark, the lights come back up, and then where Jeff was, Taker is now lying. Yeah. Um, and it was a good kind of like, oh, you're done with him? My turn now. Um, yeah. Didn't ultimately go well for Punk, but, you know, no. it is what it is. Um, 2011, just the idea of champion versus champion. Um, so Punk versus Cena with Punk returning. Um, and Kevin Nash. And, oh, yeah, let's not do the Kevin Nash. Um I I remember having that Blu-ray, um, mm. the Blu-ray of SummerSlam and Cena and Punk being on the front of it. Um, yeah. I just, there's just something about that that I really enjoyed mm. that summer. Um, and then 2014, Lesnar squashes Cena. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. I I just I couldn't believe what I was watching. No. Like I was like, oh yes, yeah, so Lesnar's facing Cena for the title. Mm. Is Lesnar gonna? And then it was just an absolute decimation. Yeah, um, it really annoyed Amy. Amy was just like, "Oh, he's done his suplexing." It's like, yeah, that's you know. Yeah. Um, and then my last one, um, more surprised me that I picked something from the pandemic era, but okay. range range returning in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they're the five that I picked. What have you got? So I've got. I mean, I've, I'll say I've got twenty thirteen on there because of the, um because of the punk punk rock match yeah and sort of like the, the shock of the shock of triple h turning heel you know it's one of those things of where i, I mean I'm, i think i watched that pay-per-view by myself so like the next day i said to my brother you probably should watch what happened at the end of this show because yeah. neither of us had seen triple h turn heel so it was like wait why has he done that it was like why has he turned heel on, on brian and it almost like didn't make sense because obviously we, we knew of the, the history between Orton and Triple H, you know, mm. their evolution background. But it was still like the, the real surprise of like, but he's always been a good guy. So why is he now a bad guy? You know, yeah. we'd, we'd seen people turn face and heel in the times, but we never really imagined that Triple H would. And because he was more of like a background character around this time anyway, it just didn't for us make sense. It's That's weird when you like, get a sort of non-active or semi-active wrestler yeah. Or face or heel and have a bit of a turn because you're a bit like, what? Yeah. Like if, if like Adam Pierce turned, I don't even know what Adam Pierce is. Is he face or heel? He got booed anyway when he introduced theory. He's sort so, of a tweener, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really have much character behind him. He, he he plays it straight down the line, but then he can be bought out by Mince, Mince McMahon. Mince, Mince McMahon. McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Mince McMahon. <laughs> That would be like his disguise day when he gets kicked out of the company. Yeah. Like Mr. Snrub. 
Yes, Vince <laughs> McMahon. That would work. Vince McMahon. Um, 2012. Um, I watched the pay per view with my cousin who had mm-hmm. stopped just going to wrestling a few months prior, and he came up to stay for a few days. And was like, "Well, SummerSlam's going on around this time, so I guess we're going to be staying up." And he's like, "Definitely." So I remember um, him being a big Jericho fan. I think I think in a silly way, I sort of in a quite a bad way, and I'm not saying I sort of indoctrinated him at all. I think he saw which wrestlers I liked. Yeah. So he sort of kind of gravitated towards those wrestlers. Um, and we also sort of both like Dolph and we even like the Miz. Like if Ty is listening to this, Ooh. if Ty is listening to this, which I hope he is, because he should do, um, me and my cousin were big on the Miz in 2012. Um, and like I think he defeated Mysterio at this pay-per-view for like the IC title. Yeah. Um and it, like we were like celebrating, like why are we supporting the Miz of all people against Ray? Like against Ray, Ray against one of your favorites. Me and my cousin were like, yeah, go Miz. Not Ray, Ray. Um, Jericho Ziggler was really good, and um, that's actually one of my hidden gems. And um, you know the whole feud that Jericho Ziggler had, obviously in 2012, but then fast forward to 2013, just really clicked. Um, and then the match between Cena, Punk, and Big Show was all right, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I remember that being better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was odd because I think I remember that didn't Cena have Cena had Big Show in the SDF, mm-hmm. and Punk had had him in the Anaconda Vice, yeah. and they sort of both tapped at the same time, and it was just a, a cool sort of image just to see Big Show tap out at the same time and then AJ come out and say we have to restart the match mm. and then Punk won which sort of made sense but again 2012 Cena fan uh, kind of wanted Cena to win um, and my cousin was a big Triple H fan so he was like I'm really looking forward to Brock versus Triple H Yeah. Um, so he was quite disappointed when, when Brock won yeah. I think I sort of was as well but it's still quite a memorable thing because I often think, and I don't know about you, because obviously you mentioned 2004, and I assume you've got cramp or you've got a parcel. Um, I mean, I'll keep on talking. This may get copied out or edited out later on. But for me, wrestling is best when you're watching it with someone. Um, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that. There's an empty chair. It's like um, it's like Mastermind. The next contestant is going to step up soon. You're going to have the you're going to have the music. Um, What's the empty chair? The voice. Um, but yeah, for me, wrestling is so good whenever you are, whenever you're watching it with someone else. Um, and that's what the case was in 2012. And he's back. He has got a pass. I'm leaving all that filler in. I could hear you as I went down the stairs. Oh, great. I thought it was quite <laughs> good filler, to be honest. <laughs> I like how you said that you've either got cramp or a parcel. You know me so well. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to break into a song. I'm not going to break into <laughs> Elaine Page. I know him so well. Um, <laughs> so I talked about 2012 and the enjoyment of watching it with someone and then be talking <laughs> to an empty chair, which had been very appropriate. And um, 2015, Brock Taker, I thought was really cool at the moment watching, watching that. It, for me, it seems like Taker had sort of found his mojo again because um, his match against Brock at WrestleMania 30 was really just almost heartbreaking to watch someone that you'd watched for 
well, in my time, seven years, but had had a career of, what, 24 by that time, just begin to just begin to lose it. And I really felt like his match against The Fiend was, not The Fiend, gosh, against Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31 was a little bit flat as well. So it felt like this was his redemption match against Brock. And it just clicked, you know, everything about it worked. And obviously this was like the first SummerSlam in Brooklyn, uh, yeah. moving back from LA to, to New York. And it felt like they needed like this big marquee match. And I was a little bit skeptical at first that we got Brock take. because I thought, well, I sort of rathered uh, Rollins Cena as the main event, which also was a fantastic match. Um, but Brock Taker just fit the bill of being that big pay-per-view match. And I think that's what, in a silly way, that's what's been missing out of SummerSlam, excluding Reigns Cena, obviously, last year, which was huge. It feels like SummerSlam has sort of lost that big marquee match appeal to it, to where, like, in the past you had Rock Brock and, obviously, Brock Taker. And, you know, last year, Reigns Cena. It just feels like... It's lost that big drawing match, um, which obviously Brock Taker was. Um, yeah, 2017, you had Ron Zambrose in a, in a tag match beating the bar, the whole beach ball um, fiasco. Um, I don't want to talk about Jinder versus Nakamura, on the other hand. I sort of shut my eyes when Jinder hit his finish. I thought, oh, no, this is it. It can't be a kick out, kick out. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's less said about that, the better. Um, but then the one the one sort of memorable moment that sticks out to me the most is last year's match between Rollins and Edge. Mm. Just for me, two wrestlers that have sort of, I guess, shaped my wrestling fandom since I started watching. You know, in 2007, obviously I had no idea who Tyler Black was in 2007. Um, but in like 2007, to see someone like Edge, like, who I absolutely despised when I started growing up, to where where I'm sort of at, at with him now in 2022. And, you know, the whole story that, that Seth had had, um, to see them face each other just still feels quite surreal. You know, never never in my wildest imagination would I have expected Edge to even wrestle again, let alone wrestle against someone like Rollins. So that was such a, just a, yeah, really just, just a cool moment to sort of witness. And then after that, you had Rain Cena as well I felt, mm. I felt last year's SummerSlam because it's weird with this year's one we've got Brock Reigns again but last year's SummerSlam we had Reigns Cena and Seth Edge which felt like those two matches that could legitimately main event a Wrestlemania at any time in like the last 10, 10 years or like Reigns Cena and Seth Edge are box office draws you know and it's you, you rarely get that now in in any any you know pay-per-view where you're like you've got someone who dominated from I don't know, 2005 to 2011 and then basically from what 2012 until you know present day in Seth be sort of like the one that took over from Edge in some in sorts of that that heel heel role um you know and then just have them against each other just felt just insane really so yeah because I think you you mentioned of Taker Lesnar that was the mad one where they just laughed at each other, weren't it? Where yeah. they sat up and just like started. Laughing. I think and as well your Edge and Rollins. There were certain feuds that I think 
should have had a Mania match. Yeah. And I think, obviously, it, it depends on where you start them because I think a first match being SummerSlam, taking mm. that to Mania is a long slog. So mm. you've got to try and figure something out there. But then it always surprises me that, like, Triple H and The Rock never had a one-on-one yeah. Mania match. Mm. You know, or The Rock never faced Taker at a Mania. Mm. Um, it's, so I think Edge and Rollins easily could have been a marquee Mania But match. it's like with, you know, Becky and Bianca, obviously we got, I'm, I've probably got this wrong now. We did see Becky Bianca at Mania, didn't we? Yes, it was the second one was this year. That's, yeah. that's a huge relief because I almost yeah. got that wrong. But obviously, their few sort of started at last year's SummerSlam. Mm. You almost felt like with Rollins and Edge, they could have done something at Mania. Yeah, together. I feel like I, th- I think the Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel was a good capping off of that. Yeah. But then to have the second match just be on a Smack, I know it was from Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But it just being on SmackDown. Like, I feel like it could have been a huge yeah. sort of, and, you know, yeah. My, my, my hope for that Madison Square Garden show was um, to have Rollins and Reigns versus Cena and Edge. Mm. Um, it's mad to me that, that we never really got to see those four interact when I can't, they were honestly, all around. I, I watched um, Money in the Bank 2020, 21, but, when, the, 21, when the fans came back. 21. And yeah. I can't believe that they didn't do Rollins and Reigns versus Cena and Edge. Yeah. Like, at some point in that line, I can't believe that they didn't do it. Or at least have, like, a situation where Reigns and Rollins are beating down Edge and that's when, and then Cena ran out. I mean, I, I was still thinking, well, Rollins and Reigns are just going to continue beating down Edge at this Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And that's mm. when you get the Cena return. You yeah. Know, it just been yeah. such... A fitting way to end that pay-per-view and what ended the pay-per-view was really cool anyway but to have those four on the same brand at the same time and never mm. interact just felt really odd yeah yeah no it really did i just i, I can't believe they didn't, they didn't do it it was it was right there man um right thing to end on five hidden gems or underrated matches now okay. i this is where i trawled through the cards Oh, and same. I was like, where are these ones? Where are the ones that I remember? So I'm going to kick off in 2005. Actually, what we'll try and do, Callum, mm. if this works, is we'll try and do it chronologically. Okay. Okay. So my earliest is 2005. Okay. Right. So I'll kick us off with that one then. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Um, unsurprisingly, 21. It's uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Um, okay. Now, it's remembered... More so for the fact that, yes, WWE put on a ladder match where a child, or the yeah. custody of a child. Were, I mean, me and my mate were joking about the fact that, you know, what's going to be above the ring? Is it going to be <laughs> Dominic? Are they going to have to get Dominic down? But it's a solid match. You know, it's a yeah. really good ladder match. And all the kind of, like, weird booking decisions and promotion around it aside, focus on the match. The mm. match was really, really good. Um, my next one is 2011. Okay. Have you got anything before that? No, my first one's 2012. Okay, right. So so then you can go after this one because then the one after is 2013. Um, so my 2011 match is Randy Orton versus Christian, um, okay. which was a no-holds-barred match for the World Heavyweight title. They had really solid matches that year yeah. anyway. Um, that 2011 SummerSlam, I think that should have been up there with some of my favourites, actually. Mm. Um but I just, this was just a great match. And Christian had this massive sort of bait and switch where he was like, 
I'm going to have someone in my corner. I'm going to have someone in my corner. And everyone's going, well, it's going to be Edge. And it's like, well, it can't be Edge because Christian's a heel and Edge is a face. And then mm. Edge comes out, gets a huge pop, and then goes, nah, I'm not helping you. And then <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> and then they just do the match anyway. Um, yeah, but this is a really, really good one. So what's your 2012 match? My 2012 match is Dolph versus Jericho. Mm. So I yeah. really, I just remember sort of those 24 hours where Dolph faced Jericho at SummerSlam and Jericho beat him. And then like the night later, it was Dolph versus Jericho. If Jericho wins, he gets the money in the bank contract. If Dolph wins, Jericho has to leave. And it was yeah. just, just a really solid feud between um, two wrestlers. And it just felt like Dolph, 2012 was Dolph's year, especially from when he won the money in the bank. You know, so he, he went from feuding with Jericho and then he had the whole thing with Cena and AJ Lee and Vicky Guerrero, which sort of got a little bit muddled around TLC time. Mm-hmm. But it still felt like he was being pushed up the card as just a top heel. And then obviously what happened in 2013 with cashing in and becoming world champion, it just felt like around this time they were just basically saying, look, this guy's going to be a world champion in a few months, but we're just going to begin that begin that push now and yeah. begin to elevate him slowly up the card. And just same with Brian and um, with what he did in 2013. It just felt it was just a natural progression for Dolph where you're being told and being readied for him to be the next guy, but we mm. are going to prepare you for it. And there's just an, a slow, a slow build for him to become the world champion. Um, have you got one from 2013? Uh, no, I don't know. Right. So my 2013 is one that you've already mentioned. It's Lesnar versus Punk. Yeah. Because I think ultimately it is an underrated match. I don't think yes. enough people talk about it. I don't think enough people go back to it. Um, I remember for whatever reason catching up with it really later. Um mm. and just enjoying it immensely. Mm. Um, 2014. No, nothing from there. So I've got Rollins and Ambrose in a lumberjack match because it oh, was yeah. batshit crazy. Mm. And if there's anything I love, it's batshit crazy matches. Um, see also Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka mm. from ECW One Night Stand. Uh, no, it was a really good match, and it was just them two throwing each other at each other just to try and beat one another, you know, in that kind yeah. of role in, in that, in the sort of immediate aftermath of the rate of the shield split, mm. you know, and the feud that they ended up having. Um, 2015. Uh, that's more, I've got Brock Taker down. I know it was okay. the main event, but it, it still felt to me that it was sort of underrated because I, I mainly remember Rollins Cena in 2015, which yeah, for me was just an instant classic, excluding mm. the John Stewart interference which still yeah. is quite weird to say that John Stewart helped Seth Rollins become the WWE and US champion um so it's a, a weird a weird thing to look back on but um I, I just don't think with, with Brock Taker myself included there wasn't that much expectation going into it mm. because of the previous match at WrestleMania 30 and yeah sort of just it just felt like Taker was on his way out so it was nice for him to have this match and the one at Hell in a Cell a few months later which Probably should have been his last hurrah. Mm. Um, and obviously the Survivor Series stuff with the Wyatt family later that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one from 2015. Um, okay. My phone has auto-corrected it. So it says <laughs> Neville and Stephen Smell versus <laughs> Stardust and King Barrett. Um, yeah. It's obviously Neville and Stephen Amell. Because um, this came at a time where I'm, I'm a big Arrow fan. I really mm. like the series Arrow. Um, it was a bit of a troll in the later seasons to get through it, but seasons mm. one and two were up there with some of the best TV I'd seen. 
Um, and I was really excited the, about the fact that he was going to be wrestling. Mm. Um, and then it turns out he's really good at it as well. So mm. I can't can't fault the guy. Um, but that's my last one. So I'm assuming okay. all yours are post-2015. Yeah, so um, I mean, 2017, yep. I've got the tag match with Rollins and Ambrose versus The Bar. I almost wrote uh, that one down. It was... Obviously, Rollins and Ambrose just sort of reunited. Mm. And someone that was such a huge Shield fan growing up, I always, not necessarily dreamt, that sounds very silly, I always pictured them reuniting one day and what yeah. it would look like. Um, and I think it, it fit so well that it was Rollins and Ambrose that sort of made a pact with one another. If it was Ambrose and Reigns, which they sort of had done in the past, it wouldn't have really clicked as much. And even Rollins and Reigns reuniting, it wouldn't have really felt the same. So the fact that it was Rollins and Ambrose, like just shaking hands and saying, look, we'll leave the past in the past and just do this now. Um, I, I just remember like the whole match being insane. Obviously, you had the beach ball stuff with Cesaro jumping into the crowd, which was a really odd moment because I was thinking, why is he gone into the crowd? Like, He's ripping a beach ball doesn't really matter. <laughs> and then... Like when, when they won, when Rollins and Ambrose won, um, me and my friend kind of just both did like the shield fist bump. And like oh, he yeah, wasn't yeah. he wasn't a, like around watching wrestling when like the shield were a thing. But sort of through me, I'd sort of told him about the history mm. of like these two guys and why it's quite a big deal that they've reunited, or at least a big deal to me why they've reunited. Yeah. Um I mean obviously he'd gone back and seen like the shield heel heel turn and everything that, that sort of led up to this point. So yeah, go back and rewatch that. But also that their match, No Mercy, where Cesaro mm. gets his tooth knocked out. Yeah, it's just like Rollins and Ambrose as a tag team sort of went on for longer than I think people sort of recognise. But it was such a such a cool tag team to have because you had two single stars just forming a, a, a duo that just obviously because their history just clicked instantly. Um, was was it? I'm I'm just I'm confusing myself now. Was it that they faced um Rollins Lambros where he lost his tooth, or was it the Hardys? I'm not sure now. I think it may have been the bar. Let's have a noise. At, at No Mercy 2017. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, No Mercy 2017. Yeah, so it was Ambrose and Rollins versus Cesaro and Sherry. For some reason I thought it was the Hardys. I don't know why. Um I mean, a huge disappointment because of Jeff's injury. Yeah, we never really saw Rollins and Ambrose versus the Hardy Boys. Yeah, yeah. You know, that um, would have been obviously You are a definitely dream right, though, because it says, during the match, Cesaro accidentally hit his mouth on the ring post, damaging his two front teeth. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so my last two matches are both from 2018, and you're going to look at me in a really odd way when I say this first one. Oh, God. Charlotte versus Becky versus Carmella. I know Charlotte won, but yeah. this was what led to the like the birth of the man character. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, dominated WWE for the next 18 months and just sort of became the biggest thing in wrestling. Um, so I remember watching this again. Uh, my friend was around to watch um, not just this match, uh, the whole pay-per-view. I didn't just say, you can come around for one match. One like, match, that's it. That's you it. have, you have to, to pick it. You have to time it correctly. Yeah, like quarter, you, you quarter to, to two home. in the morning. I'm here for the women's triple threat. Let's go. <laughs> you have to come for one match, but then you have to go home. 
Um, and we were both supporting Becky, um, big Becky fans. And when she lost, we're like, oh, for goodness sake. And we, I mean, we were firmly in the majority when Becky slapped Charlotte, we, we all cheered. Um, but I, we can never imagine it, it was going to lead to what it did. You know, it's just a huge, a huge moment in her career. Yeah. Um, and the match itself was really quite good as well. Um, and then my last pick, it's from the same year, and it's surprise, surprise, Rollins versus Ziggler. Um, obviously, you had McIntyre and Ambrose in both men's corner. That was a nice title match, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so Ambrose had been injured prior to this, I think. Mm. I think I'm getting this right. Ambrose got injured um, 2017 time. Yeah. Because um, then Seth obviously went on to face... Oh, who did he face at 30? Oh, my God. He went on to the IC title, didn't he, at 34? Yeah, so 34 Miz, was... Um, it was Miz and Bauer. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, he'd just become IC champion. He had the, um, the Iron Man match against Dolph at maybe Extreme Rules 2018. Yeah. Because um, obviously, that was the one where it was sort of ruined by the fans doing the buzzer noise for the Royal Rumble. You know, when, oh, when they yeah. sort of counted down every... 10 seconds or something. Um, which was really frustrating. But I remember it's really stupid. Sky Sports, they never showed any interest in wrestling at all. But then they sometimes like in like the bottom right corner, they do like a, a mini like raw recap of like what happened on this show. They never showed yeah. you what happened, like a little sentence. I hadn't watched Raw, but I had right. Sky Sports news on with the football. Nothing. They're not going to spoil Raw for me. I'll, I'll wait until my brother's gone to work. And nothing, nothing good would have happened. Bottom right corner, Ambrose returns to save Rollins. And my brother said, did you just read that? Like, well, what did you say? Did Ambrose returned to save Rollins on Raw. What was it like? It's like, well, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I you assume know. it was quite good. It's kind of spoiled it for me. It's kind of spoiled it for me, so I just fast-forwarded to the end. But, um, you know, again, like, Rollins and, and Dean, Dolph and McIntyre just had a really solid feud. And, and they just sort of like switch titles so frequently, whether it would be like, because I, I can't remember like the, the, the order of what happened. Obviously, I think Rollins defeated Dolph mm. um, for the IC title, but they sort of, it was a, it was just a bait and switch between the, the Raw titles and I think, so the IC titles, and I think even the tag titles as well, they were sort of feuding over now yeah. and then. Yeah, and then you had the Ambrose heel turn on Seth, which sort of was underwhelming. It won't, yeah, yeah, it was to be fair, because um, I think ultimately with that feud, you knew that it was going to turn, and there was going to be a heel turn, and there was going to be this, that, and the other. And I think Rain, you remember when Reigns got leukemia, and then they yeah. brought them back in, and they had the whole sort of we're now going to be the Shield again, and then. I think it just soured it even more so that um, when Ambrose turned on Rollins, I think it was the same show or the show yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, taste, wait a week, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, SummerSlam, SummerSlam finals, open and closed. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention about some? I mean, actually, one thing to say, our mate Jeff is the special guest referee at this year's SummerSlam. 
Um, so he's he's refereeing the Usos and the Street Profits match, which I'm sure of he'll call it's it. In, it's in Nashville, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, oh, God. Um, I'm sure he'll call it straight down the middle. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if this is worth Profits win. Yeah. I wonder whether we get like a, just a guitar shot or something. Yeah, like uh, like like Jay does something and Jarrett just bonks him. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking how he's going to get involved because obviously it's in Tennessee, so it's quite. I'd rather him face Roman to be honest. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I'm, I, it's weird because it's it's so soon and it's so early and like two weeks away now from me yeah. from SummerSlam. Um, I'll probably give it a watch. I mean, I, I definitely will watch it. I'll yeah. probably do it on the Sunday. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, so next week, we're not actually due to record anything, but I feel like we're going to need to record something okay. um, because of Ty being absent and the pushing back of the thingy. So I'm going to suggest that we do a top 10. Okay. But I don't know what of. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we said we were going to do top 10 themes. We could do top 10 themes. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go on. Right, we'll do that. We'll do that. That's the plan, people. We're going to, have, we're going to bring you another top 10. Okay. Yeah. Um, then, either that or we do our video games. Hmm. <gasps> well, right. Well, there's two there then, isn't there, in case we need them. Well, exactly. I mean, there's, there's an unfortunate possibility where... Time may have to be off the podcast for a few more weeks. Yeah. So we do need to sort of have a few ideas. Our summer projects may become our autumn project, which well, actually is fine. To be honest, with where we're thinking of doing this, it may mm. fit better in the autumn. Mm. Or, you know, it's winter may be coming, in the words mm. of John Snow. Um, anything you want to plug, Callum, before we shoot? Um, anything you want to mention? I don't think so. No, not a lot is, to be honest, happening. Um, it's T20 finals day today, as of we record this. Uh, my second team, Somerset, are in it. Um, my first team, Nottinghamshire, let's not talk about how they did in the tournament. Um, but it's, it's you know, f- final four, basically. And for, for anyone who doesn't know cricket, which will probably be a lot of you, um, it's just a, it's a knockout tournament now. And you've got four teams left. You've got Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Hampshire versus Somerset. Woo-hoo. Uh, the winner of those two semi-finals meet in a final later in the evening. But the, I mean, the more important thing is that the, there's a mascot race that oh. they have every year. I mean, the mascot race is better than the cricket, to be honest. You get <laughs> you get some humans who probably don't get paid a lot of money to stand there and be a mascot and embarrass themselves by running this obstacle course and are absolutely cooking in massive uh, Exactly, like, especially what the weather's going to be like today. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely boiling. And you, you usually get some, you know, wrestling-style heel turn where you've got an Olympic runner dressed up as the, the mascot of Lancashire, which is a lion. Or you, you get someone who's wearing, like, actual trainers underneath their kit to cheat. All right. Um, and usually someone gets pushed over. It's it's a lot of fun. And <laughs> it's, it's almost a, a guarantee that the... the Nuts the squirrel who represents Nottinghamshire will come last because he's pretty useless. Oh. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't been given the phone call to dress up as nuts at a mascot race. 
Um, you'd win. You'd smoke them all. Yeah, in my wheelchair. I'd yeah, shoot. exactly. <laughs> It'd be difficult going over the little bouncy castle in my wheelchair. I'd probably pop there. <laughs> That's how I cheat. Oh, like Dick Darsley and Nutley. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's all I have to plug is epoxy mascot race, which hey, I'll it'll do. How about um, you? How was how was the wedding last week? I did I did think about you last week, thinking it's it's like is Eric Bischoff going to be the the priest or the vicar? That would um, that would have been a turn, wouldn't it? That would have been. <laughs> you're going to turn up, up and, for the book. You're going to stand up and tombstone him. We'll give him a chance yeah. to like Kane. Um, it was a long day, but. My sister looked like she had an absolute ball, so that's all that really matters, I suppose. Well, that's important. Um, this this week, though, I mean, we're, we're about to go to my father-in-law's 60th birthday party. He's having a bit of a shindig um, at his house, so we're going to that. So that's probably going to be another long one. Um, mm. And then the one thing I did want to mention is this absolute state of the weather that we're going to get yeah. over the next few days, because by the time this comes out, you might be listening to this on the hottest day of the year. Um and so tomorrow currently in in Oldham I'm just looking at my, my phone now it's 30 degrees then it's going to be 36 on Monday 37 on Tuesday which is absolutely insane mm. um we've had a bit of a thing from work because it's supposed to be sports day on Monday yeah. um so we're we're kind of the the recession the situation uh, mm. as and when um but we've had a bit of a thing from our principal and from the trust basically foregoing the usual dress code. And they're allowing mm. us to sort of wear like t-shirts and shorts and stuff on Monday and Tuesday yeah. just to kind of ease ease the heat um, as much yeah. as possible, which is good, which, you know, um, but next week's going to be a bit of a weird one anyway, because it's so potentially extremely hot sports day on Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, extremely hot day where I am at home because I'm doing my MPQ day. So that means I'm downstairs on the team's call all day. So I'll probably have both windows open and the fan on. Um, hmm. on Wednesday and Thursday we've got Blackpool Rewards trips which I might end up on one if not both of them um, and then Friday is the last day of term summer is here summer is here <laughs> not that we've been counting down but summer is here <laughs> I've, got the, I've got the Lego out I've got my Jurassic Park Lego that I'm building I've bought the Guardians of the Galaxy spaceship building that too and I've got a Stranger Things jigsaw that's my summer sorted done that's the real summer project that's my summer project Looking forward to it. Looking forward to cracking up on that Lego. I mean, oh. to be honest, to listeners, it's going to be very horrible weather on Monday and Tuesday. So listen to our podcast. Couldn't think this of anything better. Go back and listen to some of the theme quizzes. Like, there's like 25 theme quizzes now. So that'll easily fill, I don't know, let's do some quick maths. Like, a couple of hours. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Listen to it inside, in the shade, in those middle hours of the day when it's too hot get some ice get a drink done yeah fish bash bosh and then if you're still quizzed up and you want to keep going there's mastermind quizzes that me and Callum did and all Callum's trivias you, you, you spoiled you lot spoiled <laughs> right thank you very much for listening stay safe in the heat genuinely stay safe in the heat okay stay hydrated um, get some ice cubes in the freezer Someone said put your pillows in the fridge. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that's a bit of a weird thing to do. Um, but, yeah, look after yourselves. Um, and we will see you next week for a top 10 or a WWE Games podcast. One of the two. Mm. Bye.